I've always had a great deal of fascination with the medical field and even medicine as well, that it's got such potential and such power in this world that it's almost something astounding to behold. Because we see oftentimes in life that we're fail, that we're fragile, things break or things don't work as they should, especially in our physical reality. And what happens in those moments? Well, often we'll go to a doctor or a nurse or a physician of some sort, and then we receive not only that sort of description of what we have, but we also receive healing at their hand as well. That is something that almost seems miraculous, that they reach in and with some medicine or some sort of procedure or just simply some time, and then they make something well. They heal it and make it whole again. That is something that we often experience in our daily lives, or maybe even we enjoy watching it as it happens, perhaps on TV or maybe with loved ones or different members or friends that we come into contact with. But as we encounter healing, we actually encounter that in a profound way this morning in the readings. But whenever we think of healing, oftentimes we can think about it in someone else, or maybe even just in a physical reality, or perhaps even mental. What about whenever it comes to Jesus in his reality where he wants to heal us? What happens in those moments when he wants to extend his hand and give us something spiritual? Are we willing to accept and ready to behold what he has to offer? We begin this morning with the second book of Kings, and we have this encounter between Naaman the Syrian and Elisha the prophet. That we know the story at least generally well, but it's good to go back and visit the context. The Naaman the Syrian has been struggling with leprosy for some time, and he's never been able to shake it or to get rid of it. And so whenever he encounters Elisha, he sees this man of God, God's prophet. He asks him what to do. And so Elisha gives him something that seems very simple on the outset and on the outside, to go and bathe in the River Jordan seven separate times. And it's something so simple that Naaman initially begins to doubt that he says that this is something that can't surely work, and he scoffs at it. And yet there's an aid to Naaman that says, if he had had you do something more profound, would you not have done that? And so Naaman goes, he plunges in the River Jordan seven times, and what happens? Immediately he's healed. He's cleansed of that infirmity of leprosy, that thing that had held on to him for so long, that through the word of God, through Elisha, that all of a sudden he experiences this profound renewal. And we know that this happens because Naaman approaches Elisha again, and he wants to give thanks, he wants to offer all of these gifts and different things, because he is experiencing this profound gratitude that he wants to make a return to the one who has given him what he has longed for. And yet Elisha is very wise, because he knows that it's not he himself who has enacted this healing for Naaman, but rather it is the Lord God who has exacted this power upon him, that Elisha is simply an instrument in the hands of the Lord. And so Naaman continues to persist that he wants him to take some sort of gift or some sort of offering, but Elisha again refuses. So then Naaman gets a better idea that he wants to take these two mule loads full of earth so that he can go and offer a holocaust and sacrifice to the Lord, who is the Lord and there is no other, because he recognizes he's the only one that has given him what he has truly asked for, the thing that his very heart has longed for and desired for such a long time. So Naaman experiences healing, and it's all by God, but through the words of Elisha, that prophet. 
We move on and we see the second letter of Timothy, St. Paul to Timothy, and we recognize that St. Paul is continuing to exhort Timothy to virtue, but also to long endurance, that long suffering, that virtue that he needs to have in his ministry. And so he continues to remind Timothy of the ways that his ministry has gone, that Paul reminds him that he's gone through all of these different sufferings, all of these different things, that it's felt that he's even had chains upon him because of the great sufferings, the great afflictions that have been brought his way. But why does he undergo affliction? Why does he undergo suffering? Why is he going through all of these different things? It's for the others. It's for those that he's been called to minister to. And so he goes through all of these different afflictions, all of these different things that are happening, even his own share in the cross, because he wants to go forth and to evangelize. He wants to go preach the gospel, the good news, and he wants to do that to every person that he's been called to give that to. And so he goes forward and he reminds us that if one dies in Christ, they in fact live, that they continue to experience, if they persevere, they shall rise again. But even in fidelity, even in faith, that the Lord is always there for us, he always wants to remain and to continue to remind us of his presence forever. The St. Paul reminds us that even in affliction, even in those moments where we might doubt the Lord's presence in our lives, that he's still there and he's still waiting upon us. And then finally we arrive at the Gospel of Luke. And here we see Jesus, he's on this journey, and he's going up to Jerusalem, but he passes through these different areas, and he passes through Samaria, and he passes through Galilee, and eventually he encounters these ten lepers. And these ten lepers see him, and at a distance they start to cry out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. That they've been in this state for so long that they're looking for any opportunity to receive that healing, to receive that restoration that they so long for, that they're looking for Jesus as well. And so what does Jesus do? He gives them the simple instruction, go and show yourselves to the priests. And this would be a sort of instruction that they're very familiar with because in the Mosaic Law, that any time they had been cleansed, any time they had been cured, they would go to show themselves to the priests so that they could be declared clean. And so they start off on that journey. Well, while they're on that journey, Jesus indeed enacts that miracle of healing upon each and every one of them. They were told that all ten of them were cleansed during the course of that journey. And one of them stops because he realizes what has happened. And he's so filled with gratitude, he's so overwhelmed by what the Lord has done, that he immediately runs back to the Lord and falls at his feet and thanks him because he's given that profound gift of healing, that profound gift of restoration that he's been looking for, he's been longing for, and desiring for so long. And so he returns to the Lord and gives him thanks. He's got this profound gift of gratitude within his heart. And Jesus sees this, and his response is quite simple. That there were ten, where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? And he uses that term foreigner very deliberately because so often these Samaritans or these others would not be allowed inside the temporary to worship, and yet his ministry is starting to extend to even them. And he says, go, your faith has saved you. That this very man, because he had the audacity, he dared to approach the Lord God in this most tender moment, this most vulnerable place in his life, was healed because he had that ability, that courage, and that fortitude to approach the Lord and ask for whatever he needed. And it's a very beautiful encounter. It's a very beautiful story that we see that there's this beautiful moment and powerful moment that we see that it's awesome. The Lord works in this way. 
But as we consider that, we see this gift of healing given out in a particular and powerful way. And we, in fact, see that it's something that is profound in its manner and in its scope because we see that it heals these people of leprosy, something that would have really ostracized them from their communal life, that it would have taken them and set them on the outskirts of town. But are we so bold in our minor sort of afflictions in, in our trials as well? Because the fact of the matter is, there's this threefold step and journey that each of these individuals take. That first, they petition the Lord to be removed from those particular afflictions or from those things, those illnesses that were holding on to them. That they had that faith, that courage that they needed to approach the Lord and to ask and to indeed trust that they were going to be healed. And then the second step that moment of healing, that moment whenever the Lord restores what's been broken, that moment whenever he brings back to life what has been dead or what has been cut off. And then finally, we see that spirit of gratitude in that last step, that these people, whenever they encounter the Lord and what he has done, that they all of a sudden return back to the Lord and they give thanks to God because they recognize this is the Lord, this is the all-powerful one. There is no other who deserves my worship more than the Lord God. That they recognize that his alone is all of this power, this grandeur, and this prestige. That he alone is the one who truly heals. But let's return back to that first question. Do we think that we need healing as well? Because so often in life we encounter moments where we might need healing, at least in some small way. But we tend to discount it and set it to the side because we say the Lord can't possibly be concerned with this thing. That it's trivial, it's too small for him to concern himself with. But is it really, though? Because, in fact, whenever the Lord gives us affliction, whenever he gives us suffering, or whenever he has those moments in our life where we're encountering brokenness or that we have that illness or that thing that just won't let go of our heart and our souls, that the Lord alone is the one who can heal that. But it's not too small for him to pay attention to. But, in fact, he gives us those moments so that we can encounter him and we can interface with him in his grace. And so it's not too small for the Lord to pay attention to. That oftentimes we make that as an excuse to set things to the side. But in fact, it's a moment of encounter where the Lord wants to see us and encounter us in this beautiful way. But do we have that faith? Do we have that trust that he wants to heal us? And furthermore, sometimes we recognize all of the different areas in our life where we might need healing. And we might just think of it in a physical way or we might just think of it in this very narrow-minded way. But so often in life, there are many other ways that we need healing. It's not just physical, it's not just spiritual or emotional, but so often it's the different things in life that come up. Perhaps it's those grudges that we hold, or perhaps it's that anger in our heart that just won't let go. Perhaps we need the Lord in his grace to enter into that and to really restore us in a new way. Perhaps we've been struggling with sin for some time. Perhaps it's habitual sin or even serious sin. And we feel like it just won't let go of us and that it has a firm grasp on our hearts and our souls. That we feel like nothing we do can really get rid of it. But have we asked the Lord about that thing? Have we had the audacity to approach him and to ask for that ability to let go of those things and to really restore us to that place of new life? Or maybe our insecurities, maybe those always fester up and we feel like we're never going to be good enough to be able to follow the word of God and to follow the gospel and proclaim it with our lives in a whole way. But maybe the Lord wants to give us that feeling of security, that feeling that maybe we are enough with his grace and with his help. Or maybe it's just the different fears and anxieties that crop up in life that so often we find ourselves bogged down and held down because of those different things that are happening. And we feel like we really can't follow with the Lord with a heart that is filled with joy and gratitude. 
Have we asked the Lord for healing in those places? Because the reality is, my brothers and sisters, that we have so many different areas, and I dare say that each and every one of us have moments that we need God's healing in our life, but we need that gift of faith and that gift of trust to indeed think that he's going to enact that healing that we need and that restoration that we require, that we should be able to be bold and to be audacious enough to approach the Lord and to trust that he's going to do what he said. But do we trust that enough? Because the reality of whenever we see that moment of gratitude, we see all of those people, whether it's Naaman or whether it's those ten lepers or even just that one that approached the Lord again, that we see all of those moments that they're approaching the Lord and they're in gratitude, they're in thanksgiving, it's because they recognize they've been set free, that they've been let go of all of those different things that held on to their hearts and their souls. And that's really the end result that the Lord desires for each and every one of us. That all of those things that we feel like we can't get rid of in this life, all of those different things that hold us back in our spiritual journey, that the Lord wants us to be free of those things. We have to be willing to let go of those things first. And we have to be willing to let go of control so that the Lord indeed can take control over them himself. And so that spirit of freedom, that spirit and that beautiful reality of where the Lord wants to call us forward, that's in fact what he wants to remind us, that he is the divine physician. He is the one that has the ability to take from us whatever ails us and whatever holds us back in illness and to indeed restore us to that place of freedom, that place of comfort, and that place of security. We have to be willing to relinquish control. We have to be willing to set these things at the Lord's feet and to trust that he's going to heal them and that he's going to restore us in a new, a powerful, and a beautiful way. But do we trust enough? And that's really the encouragement today, my brothers and sisters, because so many different things might cling to our hearts and our souls. They might hold life back from us, or they might have us feeling as if we'll never truly be free from these things. But do we really let the Lord have dominion over them? because he wants to set us free. He wants to really give us that solace and that security and that peace that we really desire, but we have to be willing to relinquish control and really experience that healing that he desires. Because we've seen doctors, we've seen nurses, we've seen physicians, and so many different people that are so skilled at letting us truly experience healing. But let's also be bold enough to let the Lord be that healer and that divine physician as well. Where do we truly need healing? Where do we need the the presence of the divine physician? 